This is the 19th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Strike King Lures, Aftco, Pro Guide Batteries, X-Zone Lures, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, Spro, Gamakatsu, Big Bite Baits, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline. BTL, coming at you. Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live where we are going to talk about fishing. We got a good show for today. Hope everybody had a good holiday weekend. Actually got out on the water on Saturday, which I think is a cardinal sin to put a to put a on Labor Day, Memorial Day, and Fourth of July. You're uh, you're you're playing with fire if you're putting a bass boat on the water. But you can get out early in the morning. You can get off at 10 30, 11 o'clock, maybe catch a few. I do remember one of the first Fourth of July's I put my uh, little ZX190 in probably, oh, this would have been like 2009 or 10 at a grand bracket for the trolling motor broke when I hit a wake while I was tubing some buddies, trolling motor flew down, snapped the shaft right in half, uh, and I haven't been on the water, but my buddy Juice uh, has a dock and everything there on follow. We had, uh, we had our limit of crappie in three hours, 74, 37 apiece in Oklahoma. Supposedly the rumor with that is uh, when they were going back in the day when they were making the fishing regulations for Oklahoma, uh, it came up in the House of Representatives and there were 37 members and then none of them knew what a crappie was. And they said, screw it, let's just do one for each of us. So that's how the limit in Oklahoma became 37 crappie. And that's why you can keep 74 for a two-man limit. Someone who doesn't have to worry about catching numbers of fish or crappie because he's really good at catching bass as he's shown us all for the past uh past couple of years particularly smallmouth which is a little bit of a surprise is luke palmer what's up luke oh not much matt how's it going uh no complaints thanks for jumping on uh btl are you a holiday fishing guy or are you a holiday partying guy uh is there an in-between on that yeah, there can be an in-between. That's kind of what I just described, I feel like, yeah. is maybe an in-between a little bit. Now, most of the time, me and Dad go fishing, because that's about our only time off, is when there is a holiday, maybe an extra day, me and Dad. We went to Ufala and fished on Sunday, but yesterday we had an ace truck come in, so we did stuff around the house and had to unload the truck yesterday afternoon, so that kind of killed the fishing on yesterday. I got you. Uh, you're... Lake of choice, though, is Eufaula. I mean, you're a Eufaula guy. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, how I've grown up fishing that thing my whole life. And it's still an hour and 20 minutes, but, you know, that's better than going to my home lake right here by my house, which is, you know, 300 acres. You dink around in a lot of those. I've got a, a Lakes of Oklahoma book. Got it from the DNR. And I think that there's not a lot of people who realize how many small... 150 to 2,000 acre lakes there are in Oklahoma. Some suck. Some are really good. Some are in between. But are you one of those guys who, I mean, you're in kind of a neck of the woods where you can basically pond hop for lack of a better term on a bunch of different little, little bodies of water that are city drinking water lakes. You know, I've, I've done a little bit of it, not a whole lot. I've got, you know, my dad's got land and we got some buddies and got quite a bit of land. We'll go up and fish their ponds and stuff. We're used to, that's what I grew up doing. You know, 
uh, just on the weekend, Saturday after work, we'd go pond hop till dark and then go fishing to you fall or Texoma or Murray or Sardis on Sundays. But, uh, this fall going into this winter, I think I'm going to kind of keep the YouTube deal and keep pushing it. And I think I'm going to go hit a bunch of these smaller lakes, you know, and kind of do something to how we might break it down. Cause how you fish a lake, a small mm-hmm. lake when you first get there is different than what I do. And I think that'll be, it'll be fun. I'm kind of interested in doing it just cause you know, it's something different. Anytime you can be on the water, it's helping your skills out, you know, no matter if it's a, a mud hole or a crystal clear body of water. So it'll be fun. You're going to have the Oklahoma mop you after if you pull a Josh Jones and start blowing them up. No, I'm not going to do that because, uh, you know, my little lake had a little bit more class than that. Yeah, I'm going to try to, you know, but it was it. Uh, I'm not going to not going to tell where I'm at. Just go hey. where I can and get in and do it. Cause I got, I'm going to have an aluminum boat and do it out of I'm not doing it out of my big boat. I posted one of a fish from an undisclosed location. I'm like, there's literally nothing in the background. And there's one thing that's slightly, this is as nondescript as I can get. I posted one picture and it was one thing that was slightly off colored from what the typical color of that geological feature typically is. And I had three people that said, the only color where there's that color of that feature is lake is X Lake located here. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me like how do they freaking figure that stuff out well it's kind of like we were talking that someone has that much time to sit there and look at a picture or look at the standings and go wow that's that's about it too you know (laughs) it is we're blessed though in oklahoma there are a bunch of really really good fisheries that we can fish i think it's you know everyone talks about minnesota as the land of ten thousand lakes which i've been up there and it is like they have a they have a uh do you do you follow Sam Sobe on YouTube or Sobe Fishing? He'd done some uh, like early Guggen Squad filming, I think. He's got his own channel. He's like a big time celebrity up there, uh, and I've gotten to know him. But they have a Tourney Tuesday video series that he does, which was I was like, oh, that's a great idea. But like, let's say you're doing the Thunderbird, or I do Shawnee Twin Lakes. Hell, you do two of them where you crack them, and then you've just showed everybody the code of you know how to catch them but there are so many lakes up there they do tourney tuesdays and i think they do 12 different tournaments on 12 different bodies of water all in the metro so every single week they can film they can do the whole thing they could show everything and then they're on a different lake the next week like that's freaking cool to have 12 fisheries 12 different bodies of water in 12 weeks that's what i i I, we don't have that type of water but we got a lot of good water now that that would be pretty cool but like you said we only have so many that can even handle that many people, you know. I used to fish a little jackpot at Atoka Lake every week or, mm-hmm. McGee, you know, just something different. I enjoyed doing that stuff, but gosh dang, now at $4 a gallon gas, it's hard to run and drive 30 or 40 minutes. Oh, I don't want to hear it. You literally, yeah. you just cracked 65 k on well, smallmouth in the last three events out of the year, and you're whited about $4 a gallon gas, Luke. Well, <laughs> Well, that drive home, I was cussing the pumps the whole way home because that diesel in New York was 503. Yeah. I got stroked. But, you know. There's nothing better. I've been up to Thousand Islands twice, and I've cashed a low-end, mid-level opens check both times. Never have I been so excited to cash, a, like, a $3,300 check because you're like, oh, my God, I just covered my expenses up here. Now you're no. only in for the room and the, the $10,000 worth of baits that you'll use once a year that that is no joke i was 
you know, we talked, I went up there in July to Ontario to look at it before it went off limits after I cast. And, uh, I had to order more weights, more baits, more hooks because it's freaking nuts in July. It's real nuts up there. I mean, how many fish you can catch, mm -hmm. but a four pounder comes up, jumps and he air mails your weight to 10 yeah. buck two every time, no matter what size line you throw, it seems like they're going to air mail it. And you don't retie as much as you should up there because it's like you want to get back in there because you're catching and it's that's a fun place what's this new sunline uh sunline has that new leader that's tapered yeah. i wonder if that would play up there to where you could have the you know like 12 or 15 pound test on the bottom that then tapers up to where you're not as so you don't lose as many because i did the same thing i have miller uh jared miller pour me like 123 eighths and five eighths and half ounce lead and then I use that all practice, and then I go to the tungsten in the derby and just, I mean, just lose it, like just tick, 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 and yeah. it's gone, and you just retie it. Yeah, it's it's kind of depressing. I mean, it's expensive to go up there and fish just to fish, you know, uh, the lead deals. But it seems like you have to have a black weight up there. Really? I have thrown, I've tried it, just I had some silver tungsten at one time, and, dude, they would, like, they would swim up there and this was before they got hammer pressure, you know, like they had the last couple of years, they would come up there and look at that weight and you'd watch them. It was like they turned sideways and look at it as it's going to the bottom. Then they'd get to your bait and they just turn off and swim back. No <laughs> joke. Yeah, it was, I was, See, I, I think just, I mean, I'm going with you because you finished 13th, 11th and second in the last three smallmouth tournaments up there. But I always thought that the shiny weight attracted them because smallmouth are curious. You're thinking just the opposite. You're thinking it's a warning symbol. Exactly. I mean, I, I watched it happen. I mean, that's how I was like, wow. Yeah. I, was, I had, I mean, it was, you sure you weren't just wiggling it wrong? No, no, I tried that too. <laughs> no, I had it. I was uh, the reason I'd done it is I noticed it because I'd pick up and grab another raw off the different with the black weight on it, pitch to them. And they'd eat it instantly. Maybe the shiny one just got them hyped <laughs> up. I do know that there's a bunch of those northern tungsten companies and stuff that'll have like a black powder coated drop shot weight. I might have to. I might have to check that out. Is there any way to turn a tungsten weight black or dark? I've, I've taken. It's. It takes a while. I took a lighter. I ran out one year. I was going through so much tungsten back whenever we drifted in the channel. Yeah, on the river, and uh, I would sit there and I'd heat it up and heat it up, and it would finally turn it kind of a dull finish. And but you know, then oh, you just hold it on like your pliers, and then just yeah. basically yeah. roast it. Yeah, pretty much. But then, even though it is tungsten, it's not. You know, it heats up, and eventually it allows that. You know, the line tie to slip out of it. Oh yeah, too. Because I mean, so it's like a dang if you do, dang if you don't. So I just. Rogue sends me uh, the black tungsten and stuff, yeah. so I don't have to worry about it. So when when did you become such a smallmouth expert? Like I said, you it's, you won this year, uh, and you won uh, at a fishery that you don't have a lot of history with, but it, it wasn't surprising. Big stick, cracking them, blowing them over the side of the boat for the most part. Uh, and then you go up north, like I said, and in, in the history of your career, career outside of uh, Todd Faircloth, and I think Mike McClellan for a number of years, and then obviously KVD, you're right up there as far as consistency of the mid-30s and check cashing. But 
you're not a smallmouth guy, at least in my mind. I think you're a self-admitted, not a smallmouth guy, but you go up and you look at your history of smallmouth, like you're really good with these things over the past five years. Yeah, I think a lot of it is, I mean, which you look at Edwin, he was yeah. always real good when he went up north. You know, Christie's good everywhere in the entire country. So uh, I don't know. I think it's the fish up there set on stuff like they should. You know, explain what I mean? that. No, I don't explain that. As far as like, if you see a hump or a ledge or something on your graph, there's probably fish on it, you know, and up there it's, to me, it's, you're going to get bites, you know, but it's a matter of finding that right size of fish. And I think it's cause I, I move like once I can find an area that I feel like has got some better quality fish in it. I'll, I'll stay in that area and just keep hunting around because them things smallmouth move so much up north. I mean, well, ours do too, but ours are so inconsistent that you can't even really compare them with smallmouth up north. But I just I find an area and I just try to figure out where that school is moved to. I mean, they can move 200 yards, they can move half a mile. But when you do find them, it's, they bite. I mean, so that's... I'm not gonna, I don't play with a group of smallmouth that won't bite. I mean, like maybe Taku and all them will set on one wad of five pounders and follow them around until they find out what they want. Not me. I make two casts. If they don't bite at it, I'm rolling on down the bank going trying to find another one that will. So that's nine top 40 finishes since you joined the Elite Series on smallmouth fisheries. I mean, that would date back to pre-forward-facing sonar. So, I mean, you were catching these things looking at them on forward facing and not looking at them. It's not like a deal where you're like, Oh, I can catch them because I've got this new technology. You were catching them way before that too. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just, it was different. You know, I mean, I wish I would have had it those first couple of years <laughs> because it was, it was catching them better, but you know, it, I've, you know, I've never been a big electronics guy. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you know me, I mean, yeah. I've fished in the dirt my whole life. And, uh, but I've, I mean, now obviously I've spent more time behind the wheel than, you know, most people will fish all year. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, I've, I don't have as much time as a lot of guys, you know, cause hell I'm back at the hardware store working. I noticed that. <laughs> so I like that minus the, uh, minus that one sign of behind your shoulder, but it's all good. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Go, go <laughs> move, move your head a little bit this way, Yeah. a little bit yeah. further this way. <laughs> There, you, there go. you go. Now, yeah, now, now the show just got better. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've just any free time I've had, I've went and I've tried to learn side scan, down scan, mapping. I mean, you know, the mapping thing I think has changed. Obviously, we all know the hoopla behind the sonar stuff now. The forward, everybody's pissy about it, but mapping has changed these lakes tremendously. Mm -hmm. I, I, Texoma and me and him had fished the same area through the years and it had been very very productive and uh, I seen him one day he said what the hell is going on he said there's people he said they've got to have been watching me and stuff all these years and I said I told him I said I kicked the boat out the first time that I was these neuroelectronics and I said the whole thing's mapped out perfectly like you don't even have to I mean, we knew it because we idled over yeah. it, you know, before we had good maps, you know. Yeah. 
gritted it out and been like, holy cow, there's something here that doesn't show up. Yeah. And now it's just like plain as day. I mean, it's like, so I mean, you, you take out that and, you know, they want to, it's easy to get into the whole hoopla deal, but you know, they want to blame all the forward facing sonar. That stuff's been out since 18. I did a call with Dave Mercer on this, that the biggest advancement in technology is high one foot contour mapping. And now you can do like the shaded relief and you could go in and see the, it's like I said, you can't, you can't catch what's not there. Yeah. You have to know where to go. You got to find them. I don't care who it is, what lake it is. You got to find fish, you know, and uh, it's, I don't know. It's all so bad. how do you know where to find them? You go, you finish second at St. Clair. That's my question. St. Clair, big ball, no relation to anything in Oklahoma. How do you go out there and beat these guys that, I mean, cut their teeth, grew up, live on this stuff, and here you are going, I got a couple spinning rods. <laughs> and, I mean, you're catching 90 pounds, six ounces of Lake St. Clair smallmouth. Well, there was a little bit of blessing involved in that one uh i was running across the lake the first morning and i'd put in the very back anchor bay because that's where our house that we were staying in was and i was running across there and all of a sudden my motor kind of went to cutting out and i was like i get bad gas or something and you know and it and i just didn't think well i was like well i was going to run out toward the metro flats because that's where i normally fish out there and uh, i was running it done it pretty bad and i was like Something's not right. So I just shut down. I said, I'm going to fish here. You know, it's kind of what you do up there. Completely just, random. Like totally 100% random. Yeah. Well, I kick out and it's like whack five, four and a half, another five and a quarter. I'm no like, way. What the hell? Well, <laughs> I fish around there and I kind of grid it out in a way. That's kind of how you do it there. You know, you kind of got to grid it out too. Well, I looked and I knew what was wrong. It was just a minor that little set screw on the mercury's it'll back out on that trim motor yeah well that's all it was it had turned back a little bit and i was a couple miles from the launch so i said hell i'll run over there and and uh I, of course i don't have a half inch wrench in my boat for some stupid reason so i run over there and they fix Glad it I'm not the only one yeah so they fix it and i literally i mean it took them five minutes yeah and i pull out on the lake drop the troll motor catch some fours and another five and just start wailing on them i'm like maybe that was a sign and uh, that evening when I was coming in, I went down a stretch and had like 27 pounds in 30 minutes. Say that again? Even, I had like 27 in 30 minutes. <laughs> wasn't the big was bag like, of the tournament like 24 and a half or something? Or? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I it was. I found an area that everything I caught, it, but it happened in the evenings. It looked like pie plates sitting everywhere. And that wasn't even thrown on every one of them. You throw on one, it'd be a five and a half, almost six. And there'd be five more with it. And I was just, I called my dad on day two. I said, I found an area. I said, if no one really gets on it, I said, on. I got a shot, I think, to win it off of this. He's like, really? I said, yeah. I said, this is something. Well, I ran to Canada on one day, and I think I caught like four fish over there. And there are three and a half pounders. Well, that's not going to do any good. But the closer I got back to Anchor Bay, the bigger they got. And uh, sure enough, day one, I rolled into uh I actually didn't even start in those areas. I found another group and I uh, started there and there was like 10 of us around and I caught mm -hmm. my 20 pounds. I ran back to my other area and caught 22 
and I lost two or three fives in there too. And then uh, they too. Did you have back. won that deal if you'd landed those? Oh yeah, no problem. I should have had. And then on day three though, I had almost twenty four. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I went to my starting area, caught twenty pounds, ran back there and caught, uh, you know, some fives. And then day three, I went to it and uh, I lost two and I lost them. And I told my camera guy, I said, those two fish are probably going to cost me winning this deal. Did you do anything wrong or did they just come off? They just, the wind was blowing 20 mile an hour and I was throwing a eighth ounce or three sixteenth Cindy rig over the top of these smallmouth. A what? The Cindy rig. What's that? A crappie jig with <laughs> from Great Lakes to Ness. It's just like a their little two and three quarter inch drop minnow on a eighth ounce jig head. Oh, okay. So it's like a okay. What's yeah, what like, do they call it? They call it a Cindy rig. Is that the official name or is that what you call it? No, that's what they call it. I didn't I thought it was just a jig head and a minnow on there and they said Cindy rig. I was like, Okay, that makes like sense. C I N D Y? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that ever. Well, that's that was another thing. You know, I mean we've since Pradco would, you know, they got, um, they bought loud great lace finesse this last year. Yeah. And, uh, I actually caught 95% of my fish the last three tournaments on their stuff. Like legit. You know, a lot of them are like, ah, oh, this up through this. No, I had, I had their stuff tied on almost the whole entire time. Other have than you, the morning shot. <laughs> have you messed around with that, uh, flat cat yet? Oh yeah. That thing's so tiny. It is, but I mean, it's tiny, tiny. It's like crappie jig, like <laughs> crappie jig, tiny. Yeah, that, nobody needs to throw it either. Y'all leave it in the box, and it plays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems they, like the weirder it is, the better it works for those smallmouth. Yeah, that's what's and the weird less it does too. Those smallmouth are. I didn't realize it how much they can see and hear or whatever like i was that day on day three when the wind blew so hard at st Clair. i mean that drop minnow is it's tiny and there was probably two and a half footers out there maybe threes you would throw it there in 14 foot of water it would hit the water and they would come from a foot off the bottom and they would meet that bait before it got two foot deep and how they can find that stuff blows my mind. So those fish know a lot more than you we think that's afraid. sight or feel. I don't know. I mean, it happens so quick. It would have to be sight because isn't there a bunch of current on all those fisheries? Even if you can't see it above the water, isn't there? I mean, you would imagine down there, there's got to be a bunch of ambient noise going on. You'd think so. I mean, it, but then, th I mean, it would hit the water like, but I would kind of make it splash bigger. And when they, I don't really? know if it might have been the disruption, you know, because it would literally fall maybe two feet and they would meet it at the top. You're seeing oh, streaking. Was, when they do that, it's freaking game over, though. You know, yeah. I did catch some on a two at St. Clair. That was the funnest thing because I was boat flipping five pounders on a two. Baitcaster. So I'd hit them with, a, I'd hit, I was throwing an Amistad with 16 pound test line and just hit them as hard as I could hit them and just freaking wrecking them. Amistad, I believe, is the Falcon version. It's if I remember correct, it's seven three, yeah. heavy, medium heavy. It's <laughs> like an yeah. all-purpose rod. Back in the day when I threw them at the the uh, Falcon Amistad, I, I had a couple of those, and I did everything with it. Oh yeah, that's 
and that was that was that was my rod of choice. It was it was fun. I can't remember. It was yeah. nuts. <laughs> do Do you remember when Christy won cracking that tube out there using pan optics? Yeah, and not it. saying anything to anybody <laughs> and blowing every single smallmouth over the side of the boat and just just he was just going casting it'd be like drum 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 four pounder drum drum five pounder drum four pounder four pounder and just crank crank boat flip and then pan opticsing the the orange and blue, blue yeah. blobs <laughs> i mean no one knew what the hell he was doing they're like how is this going on and he's just like yeah, I'm just like dragging a tube out there. <laughs> yeah. If I was in the drum, I was catching I would catch some smallmouth and I'd get around the drum. I like, would love I've got that somewhere. I've got that interview somewhere. I vividly remember being in Metro Park interviewing him after that win. And he doesn't like being interviewed by me anyways. So he doesn't say crap. <laughs> and he knows that I know that he knows. So it's this weird deal, but he was very elusive on why he was able to crack a tube and catch all these big ones. Well, it was the infancy or not infancy, but he was using the, the freaking pan optics and the blobs and then snapping it to get a reaction. Yeah. And he on those massive on flats. The first day of the tournament. Yeah. Hey, um, we were up there. That's, a, that's how he caught him. All right, uh, we're going to take our first break of the show when we come back more with Smallmouth Guru uh, and Elite Series champion and uh, hardware shop owner. <laughs> An OSU fan. Oh, boo. Luke Palmer. <laughs> we'll be back right after this. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years' experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polnick here. 
And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. Having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success in my opinion. In the last couple of years with Denali, I've had just that. From anything from spinning rods, casting rods, tungsten products, even now to casting and spinning reels, I have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is going to handle it and do it just the way I want it. The thing about Denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point, so make sure you check them out. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. All right, we are back. Luke Palmer from the hardware shop. So you like, so you fish, you're basically up there for a month and then you come back and you're like right in, just like right back into, wait a second, you own a hardware store and you didn't have a half inch wrench in your boat? I know, I know, it's depressing. No, I, you... I went in there and took a bunch of stuff out. I was like, I won't need this, that. I, if I have to work on something, I can use a crescent, stuff like that. That is one spot you cannot get a crescent in so that's a reason okay looks like there's a lot of heavy reading in the background too is that all like product manuals or is that like some novels or what no that's all like all of our statements stuff like that different oh, companies fun stuff like yeah then and then you still run you still run some cattle on the side as well too well dad does so i just help him with that i'm not home enough to run cows so i I'm one not- time had to uh in a previous life, not that long ago, had to tackle a uh, a baby cow, which I believe they call a calf. Yeah. <laughs> it got out. What, what are you laughing at? Yeah, you need to get that. You can get that if you need it. Yeah, no, I had to. Uh, so it got out and the mom was on the inside of the fence freaking out. And the baby was on the outside running back and forth. Going, rah, rah. I mean, it was it was pretty hefty. And I had to tackle the thing and then carry it back like probably a football field to where it could go back in to be reunited with the mom. Those things are pretty stout and not very friendly when they're being carried and don't (laughs) want to be carried. Exactly. No, it would have been better if you had laid the calf down. Then the mom would have smoked you in the back when you're trying to walk away from it, thinking you're trying to harm it. That's yeah, no, that's what she did. She was following on the fence, trying to get through the fence because <laughs> I was carrying the baby and it was going and struggling. And then the mom, so I'm like, crap, we're going to lose the whole fence. And then I finally got it back into the fence, but I was, I was on high alert. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> no, that'll happen. That'll happen. Uh, uh, like I said, I, I said, you're a smallmouth expert before. But you really were. You said you always, I guess, before the show we were talking, you said Champlain has always been a comfort zone. Is there some relation to Oklahoma with Champlain? Uh, 
or what's the deal with that place where you finished uh, 13th this year? I, I don't know. It's just I've always really liked it up there. Uh, and once you find them up there, they obviously they'll bite normally. I, I think that's everywhere up north. Once you get around them, they'll bite. And uh, I've just, I don't know, I've done a lot of grafting up there. And those mm-hmm. fish sit on, like, if you have a point on your map, there's probably going to be fish on it somewhere, you know. And before it seemed like, you know, all you had to do was idle and find the boulders. Well, I don't know. I think the fish have got so accustomed to people doing that now yep. that it's hard to catch them off a boulder. I mean, So some, now they roam. Yeah, now they, it seems like. But when you do find them on boulders, there are biggins. But it's hard to get. Wait a, a second! You're telling me that you're telling me that this is a case of fish adjusting. They just don't go back to the same boulder and get caught over and over until they're dead, and then there's no fish left in the fishery. You're telling me that there's fish that are adapting to fishing pressure, just like when there used to be 50 people going down the bank, they would learn that like that log probably is a poor choice for housing, <laughs> and they're some- still living, and they're they're just adapting to the change in pressure. I think so. Like it's okay. I didn't know that was possible, but I mean, I, I fished several of the big boulders, and they—they uh, uh, they didn't want to play. I mean, there'd be six or seven on them. Maybe I'm just not a very good. I don't have much patience with a fish. If I throw no, I've I, heard that up north big time, like Malax and stuff like that. Like that used to be Boulder Central, and now it's like you know you get. I've heard guys say you get within 120 feet, and if there's one, you literally watch that fish turn towards the boat and go, "Nope, not today." And swim off, <laughs> off of the boulder, and then all the other boulders that had dozens on them, they're vacant, but they're still there. They're still out there. They're, they're just not on there. the boulders during the time that they can be fished for off the boulders. Yeah, you know, I I had a lot of fish that they would take off and they would like piss rocket to my boat. And, really? And they would get right under it, and I would drop on them. You're thinking, okay, well, this is swimming like hell. You just throw it out in front of him, let it fall. He would go right by and never stop. And he would get under my boat and just sit there. Curious. You think they're just looking? I think they feel that, you know, they feel the tinging or whatever. But they come to it. They come to it. I think, you know, they're just curious. But, you know, back whenever we used to just 2D and things, you know, you could just straight down on top of them and you'd get bit. I can't do it anymore. Like, I've dropped straight down on a lot of fish just trying to get them to bite. No, not happening. (laughs) So I don't. I just, I just think, man, these lakes are getting so much more pressure. Even up north, you know, when we first started going up there, even five years ago when I just first got on a tour, there was not nearly the pressure. And now you pull up to the ramp, you got 14 kayaks, 27 bass. <laughs> Don't blame boats. it on the kayaks, Luke. No, nah, I'm just saying. No, <laughs> I mean, there's just people I know. No, I know. <laughs> but do you think it's, it's, it's hurting the fishery? Is it just altering the behavior of the fish in the fishery? That's the big. That's the big topic right now. I don't. I think it's kind of making them change a little bit. You know, we were talking about Eufaula. You know, used to Eufaula fished from top to bottom, east to west. You know, and this this last year or two, it's it's changed where it's there's just a couple of areas of the lakes that are being more consistent. You know, and uh, it's. I don't know. I just think that I think the pressure is starting to get to these lakes. I mean, there's more people fishing now than there ever has been, you know. Well, it seems yeah. like that. You remember when the Skeeters used to have 350 boats in them when you fall and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, and Charger was drawing 200 boats, and then the Nickel still had 
300 plus on grand. You could fish for 15 boats a year. There were, I mean, the team trails were even bigger back in the day when I first started than they are now. Yeah. Now it's, and you think with, you know, this younger generation and stuff, there's a bunch of kids fishing and stuff like that, but I don't, I don't know. I guess they're all mainly just doing the high school and college and they're not fishing those team tournaments. Hell, I got thrown to the wolves whenever I started when I was 11, you know, I was fishing against Crete and Reynolds. They were teamed up together and, uh, you had all, there's a bunch of really good, you know, there's, and there's still a lot of good teams out there, but mm -hmm. back when I first started, there were guys, it was like hardcore every weekend, two or three tournaments somehow. And they were fishing and they were good, you know, and, here I am out here getting pistol whipped by them every day, and I guess they learn the hard way. Builds builds character. Speaking of guys, you could yeah. pistol whip other anglers. Uh, how good is Welcher right now, dude? I you know he's he's I mean he's on fire obviously, but he went from having a terrible year last year. Yeah. Like, I mean his worst you know his worst finish he's ever had, then all of a sudden AOI the next year. You know it's it's crazy. You know I mean it's that goes to show you that fishing changes so much from year to year. I mean, you can get on a roll and, you know, I hit a little start here at the end of the year that got on a roll and everything I did was right. You know, I mean, and it, it can happen. It just takes, you know, you can't ever quit. You know, I mean, Welcher could have been like last year, well, hell with this, you know, I'm not, I can't get anything going, you know, and just, mm -hmm. you know, Pity patty around. He said, no, he said, I'm going to change shit and I'm going to go and I'm going to do well. And mm -hmm. da -da. it's I interesting. Think, I think your wife has to be pregnant and have a kid win OAOI now. Pollen has <laughs> done it the year before. Welcher's about to have a kid now. So, I mean, Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm probably not ever going to win OAOI now. So and there's benefits to that as well. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the top though, like, and I put you in this kind of like, younger generation but established with some with some old school grit in them not like a straight technology guy not a finesse guy you, does that make sense and if yeah. you look at oh, this yeah. year that was this year welcher a lot of old school in him mixed with news Cobb, a lot of freaking old school in him patrick walters yeah he's got some old school in him he's a little new school. he's got some old school in him yeah, he does, uh, Drew he's... Cook definitely got. I mean, Sefuentes definitely. Jay Shakurat, he's a he's a he's a he's a Yankee. Koya, uh, <laughs> he just. He, I would it, not be surprised if seventh is the lowest he ever finishes in the Angler of the Year standings on the Elite Series. Would not doubt it. But then uh, Schmidt is like the old man of the group, and he's like young and in his forties. <laughs> and then Rivet, old school. With a little bit of new, same with Stetson Blaylock, same with Matt Robertson, same with Cox, uh, Bryant Smith. Really impressed with him this year. Uh, I don't know if you got to know him. I had him on the show, the California dude. I think he's immensely talented. He showed that he could do it at the national level on with his finishes on the MPFL. Uh, and then you, and then Drew Benton, who's in the same category. And then you. It's a it's a amazing the guys who finished. There's a lot of thirty to thirty five year olds who are adept at their electronics, but rely on some old school tendencies. And I think would identify as a power fisherman. Yeah, I can see that hundred percent. Cause there's nobody up through there. That was just besides, uh, Coyo. He's, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, he's a straight finesse guy. I mean, well, I mean, he, 
he can still have you seen his boats does he really have seven live scopes on it it's nuts you've seen it in person i've seen i mean i've kind of looked at it a little bit what i'm not one of this but he's got two under his transom so idling you can scope both two different ways are they on turrets or are they fixed no they're just fixed on there so he can just idle down through there you know i mean he can shoot 100 feet or whatever and so you get real time side imaging except better (laughs) and how many does he have up front then does it look just insane i guess he's got two or three up there i I don't know i hell i can barely understand one of mine much less you put seven graphs up there and i just i can't i can't get into all that i mean you know I'm, i'm gonna do what i can do and what i trust i guess you'd say and uh all the other stuff i'm just because i'm still not a like you said i'm that in-between guy mm-hmm. you know i'm still i'm still that i like to go beat the bank but you know you gotta you have to adapt you gotta be very versatile on this lead deal you know yeah. we're fishing grass and three inches of water and we're going up there and fishing you know 20 to 40 foot up north you know it's just you just got to be able to change and it takes time i mean it you can go up there and get your teeth kicked in, or you can say, hey, I'm going to adjust and do it. Because the thing about the leads, it's not like, near back Biffle, he threw a Biffle bug, and that was it. Like legit. You Caught their ass yeah. on him. Yeah. One, like, the- three Elite Series tournaments yeah, on it. Exactly. But now, I don't think you could do that. You yeah. know? I mean, we just, the variety that we go to and the, the changing and, and plus, fishing has changed so much in the last 10 years. I mean, isn't even Hackney becoming way more versatile? Oh, yeah. Hackney's a hammer up north now. Like, you know, shocking, like to, surprisingly versatile. He's not going to go broadcast it, but isn't he doing some normal smallmouth stuff that you would never have seen him do five years ago? Yeah, he's got – I I talked to him the other night. Um, we were at the motel and stuff, or one of them we went to. Everybody was at, and he was out there. He had spinning rods on his deck. Didn't have a baitcaster one. So, I mean, it's – you know, I mean, he's he's not going to get beat. He's a competitor, you know. Yeah. It's no different than baseball, you know. Whenever you, you know, if someone's beating you to death by bunting, you're going to learn to, you know, figure out how to cover the bunt. You know, I mean, that's just part of and it. And right when you draw the corners and they're going to swing away and you're going to get one right in the teeth <laughs> on third base from about 30 feet out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I got uh, one funny as hell, though. Christy come up to me at uh, – I don't remember if it's Champlain or St. Clair. One of them, he goes, he come up, he idled up to me. You know, he kind of does his little old, his little old grin. He goes, somebody learn how to putt. I about <laughs> lost it. Smallmouth fish. Yes. <laughs> you get on the green and now you're sinking them with the finesse. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. That it was pretty good. Dude, we started, now it's like seeing a Sasquatch. Uh, Clay saying, Koya's got, 360 live clint said he's got a saltwater live scope chuck said he's yeah. got five total clay said he's got one that could see 300 feet uh i'm in a slump says he's seen it he's got five live scopes five units and three live scopes up front he does have the saltwater one I, I did hear that so you can you can scope stuff out there 250 300 you can't tell what it is but you so can then see what do you do bottom. put it on high bypass and just hot tail it to it because I, 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 I've heard that too, but I'm like, what do you like? Okay, cool. I say I can see a smallmouth that's four. That's wait, 
four wait, three hundred feet's a football field, right? Three feet yeah. in a yard. Yeah. So I could see one that's a football field and a quarter away. Now I obviously can't cast that far. Yeah. What am I am I gonna put it on ten and go see what the hell it is? Or is that what like when they're so random you can just cover so much more water? Or what's the advantage of being able to see something that far out? Like that's a serious question. I don't I don't know. <laughs> like that's what you know, me on the technology deal, I don't that's just too much for me. Like I I had I did hummingbird stuff for a while. Um and I would have the 360 and I thought I had her dialed in. And then I'd look at Polynix and I'd be like, I suck because he can tell on 360 where the fish are sitting at, how they're moving, mm-hmm. what they're acting like. And I'm still trying to look at it, tell if it's a rock or a stump, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm not, I mean, he's obviously done it for so long and understands electronics better than me, but I, I just can't do it. And then like say, uh, Coil being able to look that far, but does he have another one that shoots, you know, the normal 34, you know? I would assume shoot? so if he's got three of them up there. <laughs> and then he's probably, you know, obviously he's got one on what, the uh, perspective mode, I'm sure, or something along those lines. And I'm not kidding. We watched him. I've told this story a dozen times, and I'm about to tell it 13 times. Uh, at Oneida, the man was fishing three-pound test on Shackleton Shoals. And everybody's like, what's the, what's this kid doing out here going in circles, like around and around? Well, he was fighting a damn fish for half the day. He had him hooked up and it'd take him like 11 minutes to land a four and a half pounder on it. He had to follow it around. He's using dental floss. Yeah, I'm out. I know he pulled up beside me. We were at, uh, well, Ontario. I pulled up out and I was fishing the outside of the hump and he pulls up on top of it. And I kind of go around and I was like, well, I guess I won't fish the top of it. So I pull over to another one. Yeah. And he catches three fives off of it. And I finally, I, I caught some fours and I was like, well, let's go. I'm tired of getting my teeth kicked in. Well, I'll be damned. I come in there at like two 30 or three o'clock that afternoon and I'm fishing the other, I was going to fish that one. And I said, now nah, I'll go over to the other one. He fished it. Well, he pulls up over there and he calls out and he has like almost 26 pounds that day. So I was his good <laughs> luck charm, I think. Every time he pulled up around me, he was catching a big one. So, I'm but, serious. He's not going to finish below seven. You go back yeah. and listen to the archives. I told, I said that he is going to revolutionize the Elite Series game based on, I mean, when he got on the radar with what he did over in Japan and then Brandon did that stuff with him. I briefly met him. Uh, I see, I mean, the guy is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and they can. Everybody's well. If he don't have all the electronics, he's nothing. He'll still nothing. catch him. He, hey, he was catching. I guarantee you in Japan, he didn't have all those electronics when he's walking around the bank catching fish. You know. Have and, you ever been in the boat with someone using those techniques that we're not even remotely familiar with over here yet? Like, have you drawn anyone or fished with any like that? Like, I I drew a 19 year old Japanese angler at a at a open at Douglas. And he had like three for 10 behind me, which was really strong. He caught like six fish that day when he had to retie and take him 15 minutes. I mean, he had beads, weight, swivel, weight, bead, sliding bead, weight, multicolored line, leader, tiny hook, big. Be- I mean, it was the craziest contraption and he would he would cast it out and it was like a modified free rig is what I really think it was. And he'd inch that thing along and he would, he would literally 
he'd watch me and he'd figure out I was fishing these rock veins for spawning fish. And he would cast out behind the boat and he would inch that thing with his, with his index finger and his other hand. And he'd sit there and he'd do that with the line. And then he'd go, <laughs> oh, oh, big one. And it was the, I mean, like if, if he, if someone had been like, I'll give you a thousand bucks to tie that rig. I would have had absolutely no clue how to do it. Yeah. And he was such a great dude to fish with because his bait was always directly behind the boat. (laughs) Like he never interfered. You know what I mean? But then he'd always just be like, Oh, big one. It was amazing. Just how narrow minded we are. Oh man. I mean, I don't know if that's becoming from Oklahoma because we just have thrown a jig our whole life, you know, just doing pretty much Oklahoma. I consider it simple fishing. Mm-hmm. We throw a Carolina rig, a jig, and a spinnerbait and a square bill. And that pretty well covers 95% of all of our stuff, you know. And uh, that's when me and my dad went to follow Sunday, and I was like, we put in like the triangle to fish around there because you know how number nine and the dam's going to be. And uh, I was like, gosh, damn, this water is dirty. He said, hell, this is clear. He said, you just haven't seen dirty water in the last two months. And I'm like, well, you got a point. I mean, everything I'm looking at is 15 to 30 foot deep that you can see the bottom in. So, but you know, I mean, that goes back to, we just kind of simplify things and which I guess we can get stuck Nothing in a rut over that. here. Yeah. And we can get stuck in a rut too. You know, we get fish the same color water, the same stuff all the time around here. And you know, really what's our only super clear lakes, Murray. 10 killer. And 10 killer. I mean, those are about it. Texoma is can be pretty clear at times, but not clear, clear. No, so I mean, you know, we can kind of, you can get away with throwing a bait that's not the exact color, you know, and mm-hmm. stuff like up north where if you don't have a flat colored Great Lakes finesse drop worm or whatever, you don't. <laughs> it's nuts. I didn't realize how much difference that stuff made, and uh, once I got to using it, it. Them smallmouth up there, they definitely know what's up. You know, they can see so well, and it's it's a learning process. It is. Uh, I got to let you get back to the to the uh, hardware store, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say, Luke, the Bassmaster Classic is on Grand Lake. You're one of two Oklahoma anglers that are currently in it. How does it feel to have the chance to win the Bassmaster Classic on your home body of water where you're a clear favorite? Uh... Well, I think the clear favorite's probably Christy, but I'll, uh, it's going to be fun. I mean, the, the thing that I'm going to enjoy about it is the group of people I've got coming. Holy cow. I've, some of my buddies from South Carolina, they all booked their tickets already. Like as soon as they knew that I made the classic, they booked their rooms like that day. They were waiting on it at weigh in and clicked. Um, some people from Wisconsin coming down, uh, you know, and all the buddies and stuff around here. It's going to be a, it'll be fun. And, into March, we could catch them very well up there. You know, it could be snowing and it could be 75 degrees. So it's, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to go spend some time here in the next, uh, my boat will be in probably in the 1st of October. So I'll probably actually break it in at Grand. Uh, I'm going to spend, a, definitely going to spend a couple of weeks up there and learn the body of water because I haven't spent a lot of time up there, but it's still Oklahoma and uh, there's probably going to be a little bit of dirty water somewhere in it. Awesome. Anything else you? Oh, uh, YouTube channel, Rolling Strong. Social medias, Rolling Strong. I know you're probably still not used to all that, but that's your jam now, and that's reality for life as Luke Palmer. 
that is it. One of these right. days, I won't be a hardware store guy. Maybe I'll just be a fisherman. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. I think uh, I think sometime we might be doing an on-location show uh, at the end of October okay. uh, in Oklahoma City. We'll have some more uh, details on that. Uh, I don't know if Michael talked to you about that. He said he mentioned it to you. So Yeah, yeah we'll figure something out. We got to go fishing, too. We need to shoot a little tight one day doing it. It is. Hey, you know you've had a good end of the year when you're on uh, when you're on a podcast and we mentioned the win that you had this year, I think, one time. That means you've done some other stuff along the way. All that's left now, you've got to win. I mean, dude, you're an you're a angler of the year contender now. That's got to be, I mean, I would assume that that would have to be your expectation and goal going into every season from here on forward. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really, my goal is, I mean, if you get in the top 10 in points, that's whenever you've really done something. You know, you've had two or three top tens, maybe four, you mm -hmm. know, and, uh, you know, I was looking at Welter standings. If I don't have my two bombs this year. Oh, you're right there. I, I can flirt with the top, you know, and, uh, cause I just had those two that really hurt me, you know? So, but well, did you party too hard after the win? Is that what happened in the next tournament? Like, was there, a, I'm not like, I'm not saying like you were no. like hammered, but I mean, was the mental, was there a real mental struggle to get back into tournament mode after achieving something that you've been wanting to do your whole life? You know, it was, but I think a lot of it, I was rated, I was, you know, I had some good people come from South Carolina. I stayed with and stuff. They showed up, uh, they drove two hours to watch the way in and it was cool. But you, when you have that, you'd really like to have your family there and get to celebrate with them and see them and share it with them. Uh, I think I was ready to get home. You know, I know yeah. it sounds like a sissy way to do it, but, I really was, you know, and that one was over with. I mean, and I should have done well at that lake. That's a lake that sits just Way like lake. Arkansas River. Yeah, sits just finish like Arkansas River. Yeah, the worst finish I've ever had. And they yeah, were that's like last. Well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was not happy. And I mean, I just done some stupid things that, that week. Um, never got on anything really, you know, that I liked. And, uh, and it showed, you know, I just, I was out there trying to fish for spotted bass. That's sad you know, and not big spotted bass, just trying to catch a limit. So I got that behind me now. Scott got, Martin was catching him on a bobber. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Have you seen that video? Uh-uh. He had was a bobber. He, he was, fly? yeah, he was throwing a floating fly with a bobber. No, sorry, not doing it. Catching <laughs> spotties and largies. Yeah, I'm out. You won't, you won't ever catch me doing that. Not even perch fishing in Oklahoma. All right, I'm going to let you get back. I greatly appreciate the time, Mr. Palmer. Right. Thank you very much. All right, buddy. We'll see you. All right, see you. All right, that was uh, Luke Palmer. He, he did bring up something very interesting about Grand uh, in March, and I think we all have an idea of how that tournament is going to go down based on uh, what we've seen Cliff Pace do uh, and Edwin Evers do uh, and Jason do there and, and uh kvd and past tournaments you know you're talking jerk bait wiggle wart uh that type of thing but here's how i think it's going to be very interesting with the forward-facing sonar with the technology we also saw in Redcrest. Uh, obviously bobby lane won it but we've seen what michael neal can do with the Demiki rig uh out in the guts you get down on the bottom half of that lake uh into uh 
basically catch them basically south of duck and there's a lot of opportunities for forward-facing sonar and suspended fish in the guts of that so i think it would be cool to see it come down to a battle between that finesse and then the guys who are throwing the colorado blades the christy thumpers uh that you're seeing you could have top five guys going into the final day in that event that are throwing six pound test at the bottom end of the lake Demiki rigging suspended fish that are targeting shad and you could have a guy who's catching 20 pounds a day on 23 pound 25 pound line blowing it over the sides of the boat uh with double colorado blades and six inches of visibility i really think it would be cool to see how that tournament uh plays out especially after the last uh, couple years and the advancements in the way we've seen fish come into the boat so we're gonna take our final break when we come back talk about what we have for the rest of the week btl on a tuesday we'll be back right after this shoreline boat and rv dock rash storm damage collision repair that deep scratch or gouge from trying to access that secret creek shoreline boat and rv can get your prize possession back in mint condition and looking good on the water fast all repairs are done in-house, so they're able to get your boat or RV back to brand new, quickly. All Shoreline's work comes with a rock-solid warranty. Find out more at ShorelineBoatAndRV.com. Kansas City, Austin, and Tulsa. I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife, and Gamagatsu's come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry, so whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips. So if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. Born in Japan, using technology, innovation, and precision, Sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world. Manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament bass fishing. From household names like Christie, Swindle, and Cruz, to young guns like Cook, Logan, New, and Welcher, they all trust Sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard. Choose the line that will give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Sunline. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Get the best patterns backed by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. Look at that beast right there. The great thing about the new Sensation Soft Plastics from Big Bite Baits, heavily scented, super soft, buoyant, comes in seven great new shapes. I've got a couple of them of my signature series, the Cliffhanger Worm, and a ram tail craw, great for a flipping jig, football jig, swim jig, all that. Several other great shapes. Really excited about it. We've worked over the last year. Catches fish all over the country, and I think it's going to catch fish for people everywhere you try it. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat. So you can never have enough new colors. 
That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md all right welcome back wrapping things up here on a tuesday Bass Talk Live, big shout out to Luke Palmer for jumping on. Good discussion with him tomorrow. Another good discussion. Listen, if you listened to BTL yesterday, uh, massive props to my good buddy Daryl Gleason for jumping on uh, the show three years on the Elite Series. Basically, his story in a nutshell, uh, full-time guide. He's been trying, tried for basically 10 years to make the Elite Series one division at a time, fish the FLW Tour. Uh, during that time, had some success, made the Elite Series, uh, and then due to due to some weird number crunching, it's on the outside looking in, uh, had to go, had to finish in the top 70 in the points to stay on the Elite Series. Did not get that job done. He ended up finishing, I think, 74th this year. Uh, so he was one who went into the last event and just had to catch him to stay in and didn't. But uh, mad props to him for coming on and talking about actually uh, kind of pulling the curtain back a little bit of behind the scenes on what it's like uh, for 98% of these guys out there just trying to make it another year, survive, live your dream out, make a viable living at it. Uh, but I wanted to get a little bit of kind of a, I think the right word is juxtaposition. It might not be. The opposite is uh, Matty Wong, Bass Nation, national champion. I think that was a real grimy Washita uh, River, I want to say, somewhere in down there, uh, won it, and then he had to finish in the top seventy in the Angler of the Year this year to stay on the Elite Series, and he went into the final event of the year and he freaking smoked him, and he stayed on the Elite Series. He's back in Hawaii now, where he's from, uh, and we're going to talk with Maddie Wong tomorrow about. Uh, about the tournament that gave another another year on the Elite Series. So, And then on Thursday, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, Uncle Frank, we do have some clothing and apparel updates uh, when it comes to that. And then I'm on the road. Uh, we're going to have, we're going to do some really cool uh, recorded shows and maybe a couple live shows uh, while we're on the road. But I'm on the road headed to Watts Bar for the open and then back to back uh, Lake of the Ozarks. Never been to Watts Bar. I'm a little nervous about that one. That'll be interesting. I don't know if that'll be a scope-dominated event. Uh, it fishes a little bit like a river. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be the fall thing. I, I'm just going to go in blind and see what happens. All right, this has been another edition of BTL Bass Talk Live. Same place, same time tomorrow. Matty Wong. We'll see everybody then. Later. <laughs>